First Year Experience podcast. Today I am joined by Dr. Cynthia Jones. Now, um, Dr. Jones, I have a flyer in front of me and it says, let's talk about consent. Um, this was an event that took place on Thursday, April 5th. Um, a colleague of mine brought it to my attention. I had not seen it, but is fascinated by the flyer. Um, and I understand it's your office that put this event together. So tell me about your work, tell me about the event, and tell me about what you guys do here. Sure. It was a cool event, and it's a good thing you didn't know about it because it was standing room only. <laughs> we ran out of space. There was free pizza that might have ah. had something to do with it. Um, so I'm actually a philosophy professor, but okay. what I do mostly full-time now is I'm the director of the Office for Victim Advocacy and Violence Prevention which is a very long title. Um, so what our office does in general, we deal with victims and survivors or bystanders or support people um, for campus members, okay. mostly students, but also faculty and staff who've experienced violence victimization. And most of our clients um, have experienced dating violence, domestic violence, which could include any kind of family violence, uh, sexual assault, stalking, sexual harassment, or any sort of interpersonal violence. Um, we deal with all those issues. We mm -hmm. are a confidential resource on campus, which makes us very different and unusual. The other two confidential offices are health services. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As you might guess, you don't want people talking about your health care. Um, yeah. And counseling. Okay. So all three of these offices, my office, counseling, health services, are actually in our handbook of operating procedures as being confidential. What that means is we don't share information with other places on campus without the consent of the individual. It's super important for what we do because when people have experienced violence victimization, they become really disempowered. Mm -hmm. um, and that can lead to a myriad of things, not doing well in school, uh, issues with um, psychological health, issues with physical health. Many things follow um, from these sort of situations. PTSD is more common in sexual assault victims than it is in the military and veterans, wow. surprisingly enough. Yeah. Um, so we deal with anybody, and we also can answer questions confidentially. I have lots of faculty, for example, who ask me questions. So a student told me this, what do I have to do? And I'm yeah. happy to answer that, and I don't have to report, hey, no. Mr. Saldivar came to me and asked this question, and I yeah. want to make sure he followed up. No, I don't do that. My job is to empower individuals, whether they be faculty or staff or support individuals, or in particular our students, mm -hmm. to get through these situations. Um, we spend a lot of time doing accompaniment, so we will, if a student does want to report, either to police or student rights responsibilities, any one of these crimes, we will go with them. And that seems silly, but it's really difficult to to handle an authority figure in these situations, and it could be scary. Um, not that the people themselves, we have very nice police officers on campus. Yeah. They don't mean to be scary, but they're police officers. They carry guns. They're wearing bulletproof vests. They're scary. Um, and so we are able to keep, to provide support services. We do referrals to counseling. Um, I have a grad student that, I, that my office um, supports in both academic advising and in counseling to give students who are in these situations quicker access to those services um, because these places on campus have like six week waits sometimes yeah. and 
if you're experiencing a family violence, for example, you might need to rearrange your schedule. If you're being stalked by somebody you know on campus, you might want to change things around. You might want to switch majors because of what's happening. There are any number of things, and that takes a very long time to get in. So we're here to facilitate services um, for people with the goal of having people be successful, having them graduate, having them move from perceiving themselves as a victim to seeing themselves as a survivor. It, it, sounds, it sounds also like... Um, you know, as a faculty member, I've had conversations with students about similar situations and, and then try to, to, to guide them to the, the resource on campus. But it also sounds like you give them a voice, where a lot of times they feel like maybe I, 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 what I'm saying, what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling maybe isn't valid or isn't validated, or especially if it's, if it's at the hands of another family member or in a relationship. Um, would you... Would you would you say that's, that's You accurate? said that very well. I don't think I could say that better. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Yes, and, and indeed, um, when, when people, I, I'll just out myself because, you know, I, it's, it's on all those news programs I've done recently. Um, I'm a survivor of, of domestic violence. My first husband was very abusive uh, physically and mentally, and it all led me to almost dropping out of school. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it, it really was important that somebody stepped in and helped me back then, and it was a faculty member actually. Um, I never went to the police. Mm-hmm. Do I wish I had? Yeah, kind of, sort of, but I was in no position to feel like I could at that point. Um, so we are there to support people, to give them a voice, to mm-hmm. use your words. Uh, whether or not they decide they want to report to the police or to the university or do anything else. And many people, especially in a family violence situation, aren't ready to leave yet. Yeah. And that's okay. And it took me six months after the first time I had a few stitches to decide I needed to leave. Um, so some people stay in abusive relationships for a lot longer. And it's not... One thing we do is we start by believing people. We, we, and we don't say, well, why did you? Why did you stay? I mean, because those are questions that are so complicated. Um, yeah. 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 So we, we do our best to avoid what we call victim blaming. So if you've experienced violence victimization, the first thing to know is it's not your fault. Yeah. It's not your fault. Um, especially if it happens at the hands of someone who is in power over you, um, a parent, a loved one, a partner, um, a faculty member. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not. Um, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're here to give people voices and to empower them to, to get beyond and to say that they, I, when you're a survivor, you say you are. When you're a survivor, when you identify as one. So there's no, like, magical thresholds across other than you accepting that you are so it took me a long time to talk to anybody about um the domestic violence situation i was in um i've known people who 20 years after an assault still think that they feel like a victim and that's okay yeah it's up to the individual but uh, we want to help people feel better about themselves about their situation to be safe safety is a real important priority um and that can look very different. So we work very similarly, that word's hard, <laughs> to Mujeres Unidas, okay. which is in Hidalgo County, or Friendship of Women, which is in Brownsville, um, Family Crisis Center, which is in Harlingen. Those two are in Cameron County. So we work with them, um, and we can provide all, most of the same services they can, but we also work with them to get certain kinds of help. Um, so if an individual needs legal assistance, uh, Texas Rio Grande legal aid, 
is the best resource and the shelters are the best way to get that. If somebody needs crime victims compensation mm -hmm. um, because they had to seek hospitalization or they have doctor's bills, um, we can facilitate with the crime, the victim services people at, at the DA's office or the police to get that done. So our what we're here for is to make the process easier on mm -hmm. individuals, yeah. um, no matter how they choose. And there's no right answer, you know, to choose how you want to approach dealing with these things in your life. So, so I'm glad you said that. But uh, hopefully there are students that are going to be listening to this, um, faculty members. Let's say a student that's listening to this and immediately relates to what we're talking about. Okay. Maybe it relates to your story. What advice would you give them? If they're on the fence, if they're wondering, one, right, maybe they're, they're afraid that they're going to be blamed. Maybe they, they see themselves as, well, it's my fault. And, and Real common, actually. Yeah. And so what advice would you give to that student who's out there who's listening and might find themselves in a very familiar situation? Come to us. <laughs> um, email, mm -hmm. phone calls. Uh, here we're six six five eight two eight seven Brownsville. We're eight eight two eight two eight two. We're on both campuses, um, roughly eight to five, depending on on scheduling. But we are available. Uh, our phone will get answered pretty much twenty four seven. Um, it forwards to one of our cell phones when mm -hmm. we're not in the office. The emails, phone calls, everything is confidential. So if if you are concerned and don't know what to do want to know your options, aren't ready to move forward, are ready to move forward and do something, we can assist. And our role is to facilitate, really. Um, we advocate for. I mean, okay. advocates can't just advocate. We have to advocate for somebody. And we are here to help people give information. We also can, we do lots of referrals that are um, loved ones or family members. So, and we will answer the phone and answer emails from anyone in the community, not just UTRGV, but we can only work as advocates for people who are part of the university. Yeah. But we answer informational stuff all the time. So, um, and sometimes I've had students who are also parents and have contacted us for help with their children. So it, it's we can do that, um, but we need to have the point of contact where we can help. So if you have questions, we can answer as well as we can. We can make referrals. Um, I get asked questions about things that aren't related to what I do, and mm -hmm. that's okay. We try really hard to help students find the right resource, whether or not it's us. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Sometimes somebody needs counseling. We can make referrals. I mean, so we're we're here to be a sort of a first stop. Yeah. To help people find what they need. Sometimes we just talk to people once, and don't we? You know, we don't. We usually follow up once with individuals, um, unless they don't want us to. But I've been dealing with some cases for a couple of years, people that want to go through a process, or people that you know come back and check in. So we're not, we're not a just come once and leave. We're here to do whatever it is that the client needs for us. So. Awesome, thank you. No um, problem. And you asked about this event. Do you want me yeah, to tell you about this event? Yeah. So you know, I'm looking at the flyer. It says, "Let's talk about consent." So, so tell me about this. We have noticed, so what I, we run a, a free, totally free, with food advocacy conference every October. We alternate between campuses. Um, during this past academic year, we were here in Edinburgh, so we'll be in Brownsville this coming October 2018. 
It's a three-day conference. It's free and open to people in the community or students, anybody that wants to come. We give continuing ed credits for professionals, for counselors and social workers and lawyers and such. Um, but one of the ideas of it is to engage first responders, whether they be police or counselors or social workers, with some of these issues that we deal with regularly, but also let them ask questions that they have that are difficult to ask sometimes. So we garnered questions from individuals and we tried to identify areas where students in particular mm -hmm. had concern and a lot of them were over, you know, we have this scary policy ADM 03-300, which is our sexual misconduct policy. And even though it's very well written, you look at it and you're like, okay, what does this mean for me? Yeah. Um, I went to a party last night and, you know, a girl was flirting with me. And so, you know, I, I grabbed her and tried to kiss her and she got super upset. And, you know, was that assault? You know, people have real questions yeah. about situations. What if we're both drinking? You know, what happens if, if we have sex? Um, they're tough questions. They're not easy questions to ask. We're inundated now, happily, in some ways, with people coming forward because the assault was always there. People are just more comfortable talking about it now. So I'm not happy they're being assaulted. Sorry, that sounded bad, didn't it? But I'm happy that they're asking, and I'm happy that we have a movement now, like hashtag me too, that identifies this. So this grew out of that, people's questions. Um, I'm also the, the faculty advisor for the LGBTQ plus group the Student Equality Alliance, and there were a lot of people who had questions about terminology. So we solicited questions, I, don't, I think we got like 200 or something of us, we had a ton of questions. And we, and we will go into our Facebook and start answering them piece by piece as we have time, and we maybe answered six or seven the day of the event. But there were questions about gender and gender roles, and, and really what counts as consent. Um, running the gamut. We talked about hugging. What if your family forces you, a very cultural issue, what if your family forces you to hug all your relatives and you're not comfortable? And so we had discussions about that um, just to allow people a safe space to ask questions. And we took the questions anonymously and we took them the day of the event. So it went very well. We will likely do something like this again, but we run events all the time. This one was a little bit unusual because we we paid for pizza. <laughs> um, but I think people have real questions, and we can answer questions like that regardless. So if you have a question about consent or gender or sexuality um, or any of the issues that we deal with, um, if you ask us via email, it counts as anonymous. Obviously, if it comes from an email, I'll know who it is, but I don't have to report that to the yeah. university. So the idea is to have open, honest discussions about these things. Um, people indeed have sex. So let's make sure that we're talking about it in a way where um, we understand what a healthy relationship is, we understand signs of unhealthy relationships, um, that we're open and transparent and communicate our wishes to one another. And that's really the key to a lot of these things. Uh, stats are kind of scary on some of these things. The stats nationally on women, I'm sorry, I the female ones, men are, are sexually assaulted. Men are also the victims of violence. We've dealt with many male clients, but the female numbers stick in my head. Mm -hmm. um, one in four women, while they're in college, are the victim of an attempted or completed sexual assault. That's, wow. a, that's a really high number. Yeah. Um, our most recent campus climate survey demonstrated that our challenge at UTRGB comes from dating and domestic violence situations. We have very high numbers of those that are self-reported by our students. Um, sexual harassment 
is also a number that concerns us. Uh, so we know that these things are happening. We would like to answer people's questions on that. We'd like to get people help if they need it to provide services or to give them peace of mind. Yeah, whatever it is, ask questions and we're here to answer. This is terrific. Thank you um, for the services and for the space, I think, to to field these questions and these calls and to and to be a resource to students. Um, Do I you want my email? It's well, <laughs> I'm going to uh, give you the email. The, go ahead. Yeah, give it's, us the it's for the it's OV Office for Victim Advocacy and Violence Prevention. So it's OVAVP mm. at utrgv.edu. You can also reach me on my my email, which is my name, Cynthia.Jones at utrgv.edu. And we'll go ahead, we'll put all of this information oh, cool. off, of, off of the um, FYE podcast cool. link. Okay. Um, my last question, actually. Um, now you said you're a philosophy professor. I am. Um, the first you... female hired in philosophy permanently at then UTPA. Wow, congratulations. Uh, thank you. I'm not sure it's something to congratulate me for, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but you, you talked about your own experience with abuse. Is, is that why you took this position? Is that how, so Cynthia Jones, philosophy professor, finds herself leading the OVAVP office? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I've answered that a lot recently. Um, we started it as a research project. Uh, I started the Ethics Center some years ago. That's a long story. But we started it as the CAVE Project, Coalition Against Violence and Exploitation. Um, some community members when I was on the board of Mujeres Unidas, I was mm. on their board for five years, um, came to me and said, we know we have these issues, what can we do about it? And so they funded the initial research project. And then 2012, we landed a grant from the Department of Justice Office on Violence Against Women to start providing direct services, which we started doing towards the end of that grant. And we currently have a grant from the Office of the Governor Criminal Justice Division, which is paying for three grad students plus um, our program coordinator in Brownsville uh, plus somebody in counseling. So thank you, Office of the Governor Criminal Justice Division. Um, do I do this work because I identify as a survivor? Yes. Um, did I start the office because of that? Yes. And because I think the, the statistics nationally are, are kind of chilling and we want to be that assistance to people who are seeking it, if they're willing to look. Um, so I think yes is the answer to your question. I started the office partially because a female faculty member when I was an undergrad helped me um, without really asking me any questions. Um, it's super embarrassing. When you're, I mean, I was a college student. I was a psych major. I mean, I was 20 years old when I got married the first time. and. It, who wants to admit that their, you know, love of their life um, hurts them and is yeah. super abusive? So it was very hard for me to talk to anybody about it. And fortunately, a faculty member noticed that. I likely wouldn't have even finished my undergrad degree or would have taken me a lot longer. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's important to, you know, give back to the community in lots of ways. And I, yeah. Yeah, and I ask because I think um, in my own conversations with students, right, students see faculty members and and they see often see faculty members as these individuals that are incredibly accomplished and have worked really hard to get to where they're at. And so 
It's often, hard to get a PhD. <laughs> it, it is. It, it is hard to get a PhD. Um, but often don't don't see sort of the layers that make make us who we are. And yeah. and so for you, I think to share your story and um, mm-hmm. and to be an advocate, I think um, is incredibly powerful. And so I thank you for that, and I thank you for the service. I thank you for what this office is doing. Um, do you have anything, any final words you want to share with the audience? I'm often asked what to do if a friend or a family member is in a situation. And statistics demonstrate that something like 70% of people who are victimized will reach out to what's called an informal support network, which would be a friend or a family member. Um, start by believing them and, and not blaming them. Mm-hmm. Um, and not asking what they did to get there, and try and help them, even if you think that, even if you think that. I have to admit, there are times in my life even where I've wondered, really, you've been abused for this long, why did you stay? But I bite my tongue, because you know everyone's answer is complicated, and no one wants to be a victim of violence. Um, so you start by believing and try and get them assistance and try really hard not to say things like why did you stay or what were you wearing it's one of our new exhibits that we're going to be showing um a question that often gets asked of sexual assault survivors well yeah but what were you wearing does it matter yeah so yeah that's parting words and thank you for doing this i appreciate your help too no 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 thank you um this concludes another episode of the First Year Experience podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.